Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, once again, wonderful audience. This is Talk Cosmos and Sue Rose Minahan. On Saturday, February 23rd, 2019, and the subject tonight is introducing, well, it's beyond introducing, but it is Pisces. It's the archetype of Pisces. The actual subject will be dreamscapes beckon. Pisces ruled or influenced, as Carolyn Casey lovingly says, is by Neptune. And Neptune happens to be in its own domicile sign of Pisces. So it's a strong influence that actually is very subtle because it dissolves. It isn't, well, it is a water sign and it permeates and it has quite a long cycle. Neptune is 14 years and it's going to continue, I believe, to 2026. And we're in the midst of it. We're, without knowing it, things are shifting. And some of the more obvious energies are, are very dynamic. But it is a yin sign also, Pisces, meaning that we're more receptive. That's purely what it might be referred to. It's There's, there's give and there's take, right? Life operates on the basic feel, like the tides coming and going. So Neptune is also one of the outer planets. In fact, it is right after Uranus, which we just spoke with in the last four weeks of Aquarius, and it is the unknown. And it transcends our attachments, our biases, for our evolution. It's, it's very powerful in in the way that it creates illusions and disillusions and if to find truth you know many of these archetypes that we've been progressively discussing since i would guess i could say scorpio it's a constant quest of truth in many different dynamics and at this point it's timeless truth Well, this entire conversation will have many great dimensions to talk about because tonight, Jeff Peters, the lively astrologer from Port Townsend here in Seattle, not in Seattle, but in northwest of Washington, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) is returning after a little bit of a long journey on his own waves because he spoke back on our third, believe it or not, we are finishing up a year. And it was on our third talk back in, on rather, April 26th, I think, beginning Taurus. But Jeff is a graduate of the Stephen Forrest Evolutionary Master Level Astrology. He's been an astrologer for 50 years. And he handles or carries or produces uh, monthly public sessions in Port Townsend. One is an astral theme at Pippa's Real Tea. That's a fantastic name. 
in Port Townsend, and that's been since 2011. And he also has a weekly astro group there since 2006. And he is a shamanistic astrologer, which is really dives into the themes of many, but it's home base here in, in Pisces. So hello, hello. Jeff? Hello. One of the first things that I would ask everybody to do is to go on a hunt with me for Pisces. You know, where is that Pisces? It's one twelfth of the zodiacal circle that surrounds us. And it's a part of each one of us. We know it's a water sign, but there is a base from which that water comes from that I don't know that everybody is tuned into because we all know that we have water, air, earth, and fire signs. But where did that water, air, earth, and fire come from? Back along the way, before there was this water, air, earth, and fire element, there were four energies. They were heat and cold and dry and wet. And you might say, well, you know, what do each of those represent? Well, heat stimulates things, brings things into motion. You know, there's an exciting quality to it. Cold, the cold slows things down. It can actually bring things almost to a stop. What dry does is dry breaks things, stops things, you know, kind of separates things apart. And the cold function is moisture. It's about the process of blending energies together. There's a, a consistent mixing up of the experiences. And you can say, okay, now water can be hot or cold. You know, it can have that energy that really, you know, you can picture a bubbling pot of water just going like crazy, or it could be a frozen pond. Very different water energies, yet still water. So from the astrological standpoint, we have three water signs. First one is cancer. And with each water sign, we're going to have the same kind of thing. What is the sensation that you tune into? And with cancer, the first of the water signs, the sensing quality is, what do I feel? What can I feel? I can feel a table. I can feel the air blowing on my skin. I can feel a connection to those that are close in with my family. These, these are people that I can resonate with. The second water sign comes along is Scorpio. We've moved from the personal realm below the horizon to above the realm. Here is the interaction with the collective taking place. And from Scorpio, the sensation moves into intuition. And the, and the capacity to engage with people at more than just the physical level. There is sensing wants to uh, penetrate within, in an intense way into how does the energy between us move? And one of the things that Scorpio often, without necessarily saying it, because saying it can be very challenging to people, it's like, I want to know what makes your soul tick. You know, I really have very little interest in the cover, the body that you're traveling with. I want to know what your soul has to say. And that's a very different water element. And finally, we get to Pisces. 
Pisces is ascending from an entirely different realm. It's the end of the entire zodiac. Everything comes together in there, all 12 signs, all 10 planets, and many other factors. But what transpires in Pisces is a profound and deep oceanic pool of sensation, of moving into the deepest possible realm of communication with source. And that is Pisces. Boy, that really says it in a basket. I love it. <laughs> communicating with source, that total unknown, wonderful energy. And without that, I was thinking a lot just coming over here about the factor of spirit. You know, so many of the archetypes, of course, are it's all about spirit. And as a society, we kind of push that over on a shelf. But here, right in Pisces, is the glorious moment of recognizing that maybe however we can describe it, I mean, to really understand it might elude us, but we can experience, we can can understand uh, much about it, you know, because it, the ether, the, the spirit of, of the world, it, it, that feeling quality, these, these water forms um, help message us into manifesting, you know, that it's part and parcel. Everything is energy. And the Piscean aspect of the energy uh, that we all are recognizes that from a perspective that says that we really are all one and that Piscean part in each one of us seeks that kind of awareness, that kind of connective tissue, the an energy field wherein one can not necessarily feel overtly comfortable one with another because the learning experience of what Pisces represents requires absolutely everything that you are in the investigative process of discovering why you're here. What is that bigger picture? And how can it be formulated into a cohesive uh, process that I can share with others in a meaningful way. And when we do that, there's a magical quality that puts in an appearance for us where we can begin conversations that we don't necessarily or finish because we don't have to, because the other is playing a significant role in allowing the conversation to unfold in an organic fashion by wholeheartedly, whole being participation in that growing process. That's very stimulating. It reminds me really of the, I was just reading about the, the cross, you know, the mutable cross, because it is a mutable, flexible sign. And when you say learning, that really accentuates the idea of what I was reading about integrating and learning through the process of Gemini and Sag, which you know, <laughs> provide astrologically tension. That's what a square is. It's, it's an angular um, uh, 
aspect, as we call it, but still that learning process. I had not always until I read that and hearing you, Jeff, talk about this because it's the known and then Virgo, the opposite of the unknown. Oh, no, I've got it mixed up. Virgo as the known and Pisces as the unknown. And then the other two, the mental of um, Sag and Gemini uh, working to learn it, to, to synthesize it, to make it into a, a philosophy, you might say. I mean, translated. You're a, hmm? a Gemini. Yes, that, yes. The, the, that learning curve is like part and parcel of who you are. <laughs> and uh, the learning that takes place in each of the mutable signs has this kind of a unique makeup because what they represent, they're standing, the energy of a mutable stands between the fixed middle signs of the zodiac, the Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, and the next cardinal signs. And so what the mutable signs have as a the modus operandi is they are about change. They are taking what has been developed in a cardinal element and brought to form in a fixed way in the fixed signs. The mutable comes along and says, Oh, that's kind of cool, but I think I need to get ready for the next cardinal sign. Yeah. I need to get ready for that next new element. And therefore, there are some changes that need to happen, some refining in what it is that you've brought me so that I can be ready to step into that next cardinal moment and be new in it with what it is that I have learned so far. And that says perfectly what you had written earlier to me about Pisces going into Aries because it's, you know, the 12th, I'm, I'm just to kind of tag into that because, <laughs> you know, the 12th sign, which is the culmination of the, all this that has started in Aries, but then again, and you brought up the wonderful idea of the spiral, you know, as we mo move in this circular cycle, but we're also going northward as a, you know, our solar system is a spiral of um, just as one physical indication. Um, like DNA, you know, it's a spiral going up. So, in other words, this change of of Pisces is um, getting prepared in some ways of what it's going to rebirth is what you were. Well, Pisces is a melting pot, and you know, I, often uh, the visual that I have when I contemplate Pisces is a cauldron, mm. and what is in the cauldron is absolutely everything else that exists in astrology beyond astrology. It's the entire <clears throat> life matrix being brought into that cauldron to steep, to simmer, to determine what is and what is not of value as I go through my life and, uh, and determine, you know, I wasn't going to quite jump into the 12th house yet, but just from the Piscean perspective, you know, it represents the culmination of a large cycle. So therefore, it it's very difficult for anyone to uh, formulate uh, something that is got rigid structural walls around it and try and place the things of Pisces within it because... It, it just doesn't exist at that realm. It's 
it's vibrant, it's alive, it's percolating. There's, <laughs> you know, so much going on in there as things are determined, you know, what is and what is not worth uh, continuing or repeating as I uh, look at a whole entire life spectrum that has gotten me here. And, you know, am I going to need it for the next step? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, it Pisces represents that process where we have to, you know, kind of peer between the fibers of what things are made of and see what is actually holding it together. Is there something there that is tangible? You know, I, I, that's, you know, even as I say that, it's kind of like tangible in the realm of the uh, fluid uh, quality of of the nebulous yeah. spirit and the dream world. And you've got the mystic and the poet and the dreamer and the visionary. These are all Piscean characters, the psychic, the navigator. You know, this is this is not something that is you can say these are the rules. No, because I don't think that fits into a Piscean realm or a Neptunian quality. By the way, Jupiter is still the traditional ruler of uh, Pisces, and Jupiter is also the ruler of Sagittarius. So what Jupiter brings in from the Sagittarian perspective into Pisces is it brings in religion. It brings in those ideological uh, containers that are designed to push at the realms of what it is that we understand and try to compare that with the realms that other people understand. This is Sagittarian flavor, but when it arrives, the Jupiter essence arrives at the doorstep of Pisces, it takes on, you know, what are the foundations of that spiritual religious organization that you tout? Where is the roots of what it is that you want to develop and can you see through the perspective that you have in such a, a way that you can invite others into it in a creative way that doesn't demand anything of them other than participation, you know, in something totally brand new, you know, <laughs> you know, there's your Sagittarius. I'm seeking something more, you know, and when the Piscean Jupiterian thing is considered, the more means that this oceanic Piscean element is a very, very deep realm. And, you know, you can think of the, I think of the experience of a wave just, you know, just careening around on top of the ocean. And, and all of a sudden, a light comes on and goes, whoa, <laughs> I'm not just a wave. I am the ocean. We are one, you know, a very magical reality where, you know, the wave is now taken on a very different energy and personality. It recognizes, you know, deep currents of potential that are available to draw upon. And, you know, yeah, there's, there's no, no at work. Yes, there's, <laughs> there's no boundaries. I think that was one of the first uh themes that when you were speaking in this wonderful connective uh, discussion, elaborating wonderful, you know, deeply and purely about Pisces, but there's, there's no boundaries. So those, and those magical moments, I love the way you put the fiber between what's tangible because there, it is ethereal, but they're like silver threads, it seems to me, of just 
uh, light reflection that somehow one can connect between one thing and the next. Because essentially, you know, when looking at if there is this religious idea, it's really bringing up the idea of the spirituality because it's that timelessness and the laws. What are the laws? The laws are not of man-made creation, but of nature, of the unknown, of the of the universe, the, the you know, such as the Hermetic Code, as above, as below, which gets expanded. That's just a con- concise um, one of it. <laughs> mm. oh. and, and there's another one. You, we're finishing with the ocean. And Rumi, this is one I had just read, I hadn't read before. He says that you're not... You're not a drop in the ocean. You are the ocean in a drop. And I thought, oh, you know, because yeah. as you're talking about the cr- crusading <laughs> ocean, which is not always so calm. It's such a cauldron, as you say, life cauldron. Very good metaphors. Tis. Uh, do you want to go into the 12th house? Well, we certainly can. We have we have time before our our little announcement break in about six minutes. So please, okay. I'm all ears. There are twelve houses in the zodiac. There are twelve divisions of the zodiacal circle. Uh, each house is an arena uh, within which things transpire. And I remember one of my first. 12th house lessons, because I happen to have four planets in the 12th house, <laughs> was that one of my teachers, or something that I read somewhere, probably Dane Rudyard, said, you don't get into anybody's 12th house without an invitation. And as well, I remember coming across some words akin to the experience that uh, the 12th house is hidden from you. And I kind of jostled those two energies together. And, you know, I, I, during my formative years, I was probably easily considered a wallflower, but I was an observant wallflower. You know, I may not have been saying much, but I wasn't missing much either. Still waters run deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the 12th house is kind of like the Pisces in one sense that it is the culminating house of the Zodiac. And, you know, it, one thing in the Zodiac, each sign's energy feeds into the next, the, the impulsive and uh, impetuous and the excited energy of Mars is keeping thing every just stirred up and every moment reaches Taurus and that energy has basically got to kind of run through a transformer to be downsized a little bit in order for the uh, kind of kick back Taurian energy to be able to utilize it effectively to develop its understanding of how it connects to Mother Earth. You know, how do I uh, use my resources in a wise way without, you know, necessarily running off the cliff like a like an Aries charging around and stuff well the houses do same thing you know first house is about the the investigation of self it's like you know it's your outer uh 
expression of who you are to the world. Well, as you go around the houses from one to the next, you finally get to the 12th house. And in the 12th house, the experience is everything that you've experienced in all the other 11 houses kind of is, I, I get a picture, you know, I, I get pictures when I talk. It's yes. like if Visual. you can picture a, uh, you're in a courtyard and there's uh, beings all the way around the courtyard and in the center, there's your 12th house. And the 12th house is reaching out energetically to each and every one of these beings to say, what do you have to add to the pot? <laughs> mm. And so you get energies of, you know, oh, yeah, the seventh house, a uh, partnership and all that kind of stuff. I, I want to add the experience of what it means to interact with the other into this pot. And, you know, of course, has to be a part of it. We live on a world where partnership, not just with people, but with all energetic beings and things is critical to survival. And, you know, you get your Sagittarian thought, you know, what is the higher thought that needs to be uh, gleaned from this experience that we can grow from? Oh, yeah, that definitely needs to be in the pot, too. And then the fourth house that says, you know, what about family and home? Are, are my kinfolk really important to this? And, oh, yeah, absolutely. They need to be in the pot because everybody is required, you know. So you get all these different house energies. So what's taking place there in that 12th house is... It's a refining process. It's taking all these elements that are being brought together from all these other different seemingly disparate energies and blending, seeking blend to, you know, stir that cauldron of reality around and see what kind of energies work with each other well and what kind are a little disparate and perhaps are not necessarily required to take steps further going forward. And so in this 12th house, and I'm, yeah, one of the ideal examples of the use of the 12th house is when the new moon happens in the 12th house, which happens every year for all of us in a particular sign. A new moon will transpire. It will be in your 12th house. And that particular new moon is probably one of the more unique new moons of the entire year because what it requires is it requires you to recharge your batteries for the next annual cycle. Wow. <laughs> and if you happen to miss that particular loop, it's quite likely that somewhere along the way during the next annual loop that goes around the zodiac, the, the zodiac yeah. you're going to kind of go, oh, you know, how come I how come I don't feel like I have enough chutzpah to keep this up? <laughs> what I often will tell people as far as the 12th house, this is the 11th, the new moon that happens in the 11th house is preparation for the 12th house new moon. In the 11th house new moon is the one month before that 12th house new moon. What you need to start doing is saying, okay, let me start to uh, figure out what do I want to uh, add into this 12th house reality in order to develop a new seed element that I will be able to plant into the next first house experience to allow something to be new, you know? And yeah. the key is, you know, the refinement of that 12th house seed, you know, it is 
it is a intense, very intense process because what you are trying to develop is something that has sustainability. It has also got to be open enough and new enough to actually be something fresh something delightful to uh, behold. And what kind of plant is gonna grow from it will depend on how much effort and work you put into that 12th house reality to, you know, to de develop that seed that you're gonna plant into the new earth of the first house. Oh, Jeff, this <laughs> really does give us fodder <laughs> fuel and fodder for after the announcement and just one other word i wanted to bring up before we return and that's the unity because your spoke that beautiful star sitting in the middle like i can see all those rays going out just giving and taking receiving and and touching uh all those spots for that unity which actually is our 12th house pisces well thank you we will come back, folks. Talk Cosmos. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Pisces, ruled modernly by Neptune and by Jupiter in traditional astrology of the ancients. By leaving a cycle based on the equality of all humans and brilliancy, Pisces concludes the 12 signs that energetically encompass the entirety of the universe where humans have no control. As a mutable water sign represented by two fish swimming in opposite directions of the forces of life, we experience in Pisces the collective unconscious energy of the unknown. Intuitive, Psychic Pisces completes the seed cycle, initiated with Aries' willful separation from the Piscean womb. Celebrate your star energy blessings. Schedule a natal astrology chart consultation with Talk Cosmos host, Sue Rose Minahan. You'll learn to better understand what personally fuels your soul's seed direction. Sue focuses on your questions to connect you into your unique heart's desire and your true soul path's birth essence, including a recording and a copy of your chart. Schedule by emailing info at talkcosmos.com. That's info at talkcosmos.com. Hello, this is Madam Simon, archetypal astrologer and tarot reader, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk, 1150. Greetings again. This is Talk Cosmos, February 23rd, and it's the Piscean archetype with Jeff Peters of Port, not Fort, but Port, Townsend here in Washington. And we've been talking about wide subjects concerning the mystical of, of Pisces. And Jeff was just bringing up the really the, the depth, the vital part of, of, of 
of using all of the entire chart for that unity that, that the 12th house really represents, refining it so that we would have, when we begin the next um, start. Cycle. And, yes, cycle. Excellent. Next, okay. Next loop on the spiral. <laughs> Excellent. So with this, hold that thought because we have somebody that called in. And hello, how are you? And what is your name and question, please? Yes, hi. Um, my name is Alexa, and I'm in Seattle. And I have a, just a really general question. Um, I'm enjoying this discussion around Pisces. Um, my question is uh, just even more general. I wanted to know what you might be able to say about um, sun signs that are on the cusp, just in general. Um, I know a few people in my family and circle of friends who are on the cusp and they all seem to struggle a little bit um, in some way, or maybe there's just some just natural inclination that they have that would be really insightful to know about or how to uh, work yeah. with it. Or, you know, yeah. as, as someone with the sun sign, I don't have, um, I'm not born on the cusp, but um, they, they all are. Well, okay. So- I, I, I would address that by reminding you and reminding everybody that we are made up of all 12 signs, all of us. The sun yes. is, is a factor of vitality. And mm. this is where the sun sign comes from. And mm-hmm. people who are born on the cusps need to be reminded of the larger being of who they are. Then, mm. you know, by being on a cusp, you have the capacity to tap a little bit more effectively or energetically into both signs that mm. you the sun is close to you know is it mm-hmm. you know the taurus and the gemini you know it, can you uh, be a vehicle for mother earth and still have hermes the trickster on board to make sure that you do not become too stayed in your ways that you don't recognize there are opportunities begging for your attention right beside you yes. or you know, mm-hmm. any two signs it, it it is it's a you know the key is to make sure that you pay attention to the larger picture and try not to limit yourself to just one or two signs of the zodiac we all mm-hmm. have awareness that is fed by the whole entire mm-hmm. spectrum you know i I say, you know, have conversations with the energies that are represented by each of the signs or each of the planets and ask them, you know, meditate upon Mm -hmm. it and see what kind of a response you get. You might be surprised. Yes, Jeff, I could definitely relate to this. And I think your entry was perfect because obviously, well, I say obviously, when one is looking at astrology, and I'm so glad people do, it's a rewarding uh, study that that feeds so much um, depth. But in the very beginning, you know, one does think of just that one sign of the sun. But the fact is the polarities, I think that's in a sense, how one can think of it almost like it's not polarities. They're not opposites. I happen to have a rising sign, 29 degrees Virgo, and I have a Libra moon. I have um, polarity seems to be my middle name, and it's taken an enormous time for me to synthesize. 
And I think that what Jeff is alluding very well to is the strength. When we have many voices, because people are many, many parts. That's why we look at all these archetypes. And, and it, it's even beyond all this. It gets so subtle. And so mm-hmm. that um, perhaps, though, from the viewpoint that you're asking, to recognize sort of between what we're saying that there are, the direction isn't always linear. And mm-hmm. there are these factors. They can, some factors can be stronger at certain times in your birth, at certain years. There's also this kaleidoscope one way of thinking of it, of all the transiting um, planets that have effect on us too. Not to dictate, but give us some inf- um, energies that make us need to to resolve something in our own terms. And, and how we do it is really up to our own awareness. So Jeff's talking also of being aware and, and listening is very vital. Yeah, one, mm-hmm. one of the things that actually feeds the syndrome that you're talking about, and I'm using syndrome very advisedly, is the uh, daily, weekly, monthly type horoscopes where there's the focus in on, you know, oftentimes we think it's the sun sign that's being focused in on. Well, the daily ones, it's the moon, believe it or not, because the moon goes around the uh, planet every month. It's called a moon. And that Mm -hmm. lunar energy, how we feel, is what those mm-hmm. daily horoscopes are all about. And my mm-hmm. suggestion about paying attention to the other signs is they are all playing a part in what mm-hmm. it is that you came to accomplish. And the, mm-hmm. it's the conversations that you have with other people from those signs to share that interchange of energy that will mm-hmm. allow you to tap into parts of yourself that you may not know exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can understand that um, just in my my own astrology, personal astrology study, that I did need to go to any one of the signs to understand certain aspects of the chart, and I definitely appreciate that. Um, This is a very interesting interpretation, too, because it, um, I don't know, my, in my conversations with, with um, people who are, uh, who have this particular um, aspect in their chart, is that they feel, if they've analyzed their chart, they feel like they're struggling um, somehow. And I don't know why. They just seem to be um, struggling some well, way. But I, I think this is a really good way to look at it, actually, because my, well, one of my suggestions was, you know, go ahead and just go house by house and look at what you have and <laughs> kind of meditate on it. But um, they didn't, well, this one person in particular didn't seem really interested in that, but that's different. I mean, it's just whatever. But I think this is a really, I really appreciate hearing it this way because it's, it is really true and it's the sort of universal aspect of, of astrology in every one of us. So hmm, I like absolutely. that. Thank you. Yeah, and the, the, what those people are struggling with is they're struggling with trying to pay too much attention to the mm-hmm. uh, presentations that are essentially attempting to try to pigeonhole an energy within a sign and not recognizing uh-huh. the uh, breadth 
of coverage mm -hmm. that we each represent you know yeah i'm a gemini but mm -hmm. you know there's the sagittarian experience right across the side from me that is so vital to my understanding of my gemini-ness and it what really and it like totally the, depends where the <laughs> where the planets are like if your son, oh, yes. like my Gemini is in the ninth house. That's the opposite. So what am I interested in? I'm interested in philosophies, the big picture, you know, the, mm -hmm. the vision, mm -hmm. um, the meaningfulness. You know, to me, the mm -hmm. hair, what somebody ate for lunch is like the details. Forget it. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I might indulge them. In fact, I am married to a, a dear, wonderful cancer. I have a cancer mother. I mean, these people have the sun sign and food is important. So I, I'm not belittling any of that, but it's just as a, as a story, yes. Well, Alexa, yeah. thank you. We appreciate your call. and uh, Yeah, happy trails. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the call and giving me such a, yeah. a useful answer. And I'll check, definitely be working with it. Okay, and check and the uh, Talk Cosmos, which I mean to say often and not always, uh -huh. but we have on uh, the website, which is just talkcosmos.com, uh -huh. all the different astrologers. And so if you mm -hmm. ever want to reach out to any of them, it's right there, mm -hmm. just with a click. Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. I really, yeah, I really appreciate your show. I've listened in before. So oh, thank wonderful. you very much for oh. holding in, both of you. Oh. Thank you. Blessing. Thank you. Well, hi, okay. Jeff. I'm going to go back into the 12th house. Yes, your energy is powerful. Yeah. We are, I'm glad we... Um, connected. So okay. that answered a lot. Go ahead. The, remember when I said that you don't get into anybody's 12th house without an invitation yes. and at the same time you have the saying that says that your 12th house is hidden from you. And, and I at, at a, my core level I understand why the 12th house appears hidden from you or why uh, early astrologers use that terminology to describe it because the things that transpire in the 12th house they aren't readily uh, grokked by people this is this is not the realm of uh, simple-minded man uh, ability to be able to understand that, that level and what because I have you know, my sun and my moon and my Mars and my Mercury, all in Aquarius, all in the 12th house. What I discovered was that as I delve deeper and deeper into that uh, oceanic uh, sphere of influence, seeking uh, myself, you know, how does myself uh, connect with the the fibers and tissues of all of life. What I discovered is that if I put, uh, I get comfortable, yeah, I'm very comfortable with the 12th house. And from that perspective, I discovered that, yes, I will. And I have no problem inviting people into the or my 12th house. And the reason why is because I've discovered a strength that exists there that you know doesn't exist anywhere else else and when i put out the invitation for other people to come in and swim with me those that have uh not participated at depth with this investigation in themselves will see and recognize that kind of like whoa <laughs> i don't need to be a part of that you know 
put up the cross, stay away from me, because they recognize that the requirement from them will be absolutely everything that they know themselves to be and will require change. And, you know, change isn't one of those strong suits for mankind generally. Whereas if I put out this invitation and I give it to someone who has been doing some of the investigative work within themselves of the deeper meaning of life, it's kind of like they recognize. It's a recognized uh, expression of a similar energy wavelength that they go, oh, you see something, you know? And I, of course, see in them, yes, you see something too. Let's share this energy and see where it goes. And in that sharing experience, what develops is a third presence that cannot develop any other way but by that uh, harmonic energetic sharing of two beings in the investigative process, actually birthing a third being, which is a combined energy of the two. And from that, you know, it's kind of like uh, I, I'm getting a picture of a firework, go, you know, going off in the sky. The energy spreads out and others who are uh, seeking a wavelength that they can tap into per, can perceive that. And they're drawn to it like it's the light. And, you know, give me more. I need to grow too. I sense it, you know, and so yeah, I'll get off my. Oh, pulpit. no, no, no. I, well, I, I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I, I'm happy. No, really, I, I do. I've been jotting this down and trust, you know, that's a big word that you had oh indicated God. earlier and trust, you know, that's another whole factor because in order to invite and in, we're talking in really abstract terms in a way, trying to kind of, paint this portrait, which I appreciate um, us doing, because it's so important that, that, that the abstraction can be conveyed. And when you say things like invite and, and uh, it, th this energy spreads out, and particularly that two joined, I mean, I think even biblically, it seems to me, the little I've, I've understood yeah, of someone it. Someone did say something about that. Yeah, yeah, there was, there exactly. So I thought, <laughs> hey, it's from the get-go, you know, and as far as, and probably before that. Mm. So, but trust, which is another factor. Do people, how do people feel about this whole unknown factor that, because life is known and unknown, you know, the transpersonal planets, which Neptune is part of, along with Uranus and Neptune, and then good old Pluto. But, but, uh, is 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 unknown. You know, as we can't see it, it's there, and it, it, we need to be expanded outside of what the known is. We need to evolve, otherwise, there like we life, go. we're just gonna, <laughs> the petals are gonna fall, <laughs> and they don't make good yeah. perfume that way. The petals. You know? yeah. I well, tried that yeah. as a kid. Trust is an interesting paradigm because I'm just going to be bringing this to you from my 12th house perspective. Good. And that is, I don't necessarily require a trust in another being. And you say, well, how can you get along if you can't trust other beings? Well, what I've discovered is that at the 
probably the most deep and profound level of the 12th house is a trust in source. Yes. And that trust in source actually uh, invigorates a core quality within myself. It's almost like a, you know, a fire that's just churning around. And it says that, you know, I don't have to trust you at all. No. You're going to do what you need to do. Yep. But I do trust in the source that knows that what I'm doing is essentially has no end, nor did it have a beginning. It's just something that I've tapped into that is always and will always be present. And that is life. Life is everlasting. Yeah, ever hear that? Somebody say that? Well, what I'm recognizing is that do I have to trust that you're not going to hurt me? No. All I have to do is trust in the experience of knowing that if you do hurt me, if you do kill me, you know, you won't extinguish the light of life that is, you know, percolating within my soul. Yeah. It is just, you know, I'm on to the next level of transition and the picture is so huge. You have no idea. Yeah. So, you know. and when I was thinking of trust and it's well put, it was the trust in the eternal infinite that of this cycle mm. of, 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 well, just like Pisces is the conclusion, one conclusion to the, to the next beginning, you know, I mean, that's so, right. Conclusion, conclusion's a funny word. <laughs> it is. I know. As I was saying, I was thinking, well, we'll throw it out. At the moment, it, it's kind of there because there's also like, you know, the fourth house, which is endings and beginnings, actually. And, and it has, again, words are finite. You know, it's part of that material. It's, again, mm -hmm. it gets back into that broad, expansive, limitless. I have Neptune in the first house. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, I, and, yeah. yeah. And of course, I have um, Saturn in I, the 12th. So feisty in the first house. Oh, very good. <laughs> hey, we'll just keep and our little uh, keep wave. Well, I think waves. probably the the one element. I don't know how much time we have, but I think it's getting close. Is well, to, we have three minutes before I have to make a little break, and we have about a okay. minute after that. Well, yeah. the just the the awareness factor of participating. In and with others is it can be really, really magical when we tap into how enormous our beings are and how energetically we really are all connected. Even when we, there are those that don't know it. There is something about when it's actually uh, coursing through your veins, it, it filters out into your world around you and other people do notice it. And they're, they're drawn to you for reasons that they may not understand to begin with. So I think from an astrologer's uh, viewpoint or purpose, the responsibility that we as astrologers have to make sure that those that are drawn to us are welcomed with open arms and with an embrace that is sacred and very, very special for that, those moments when we are with them to assist them in becoming aware 
of how big of beings they really are and how many factors that they have to draw on that they had no idea were there. That reminds me of the word potential that you brought up with Jupiter as the original uh, traditional ruler. But it's, it's, it is an important perspective to remember. And I love the word sacred. You know, it gives a new living def, uh, cognizance of, of sacredness. Sacred ain't dead. No. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of living. And this whole idea, I think, too, one theme, and well, I, I'll say it, I hope, quick, because I want to make an announcement here, but, but that um, the thought patterns of, of how we, this communication, that's really how you started all of this, uh, this, with source, you know, how we think. I was just listening to a wonderful Netflix called The Magic Pill, and it's really of all these marvelous uh, healers such as Dispensa, Joe's Dispensa, and um, Dr. Lipton, and uh, uh, Bruce. Yeah, Beckworth, <laughs> and, and on and on and on. And, and, and the whole, much of what we've been talking about, and also just saying that, that health, you know, because 12th house can be when things are ajar and we're not in alignment, where our communication is off with source, where maybe we're not even thinking of source, which, you know, that's, but then again, poetry and songs. I'm going to stop myself. I'm going to make a quick announcement, and then we can conclude that next week, Petra Tauschert will be talking with us, and she's down in California, just north of San Francisco, and she's talked a couple of times, and it'll be about Pisces and music. She has uh, her own show right now that's every you can find it on talk cosmos just look up petra and it's about music so we're going to be talking about the spheres of music so jeff we have another couple of minutes okay i'm going to give you everybody gets a little bit of insight into the current astrological flavor which i think is uh, relevant to that communication and that is mercury the planet that has to do everything about communication and it is currently in pisces it moves up by the fourth or fourth and fifth of march up to 29 degrees of pisces mm -hmm. and then it goes retrograde well the retrograde cycles of, of mercury are something to pay close attention to now is a good time to prepare yourself for any mercury retrograde cycle you need to get things together that you are interested in studying or need to facilitate a process that you're working on so that during the mercury retrograde cycle you can hone in on those elements and refine what it is that you want to uh, move forward with at the culmination of that mercury retrograde cycle which is uh, 22 days or something like that uh, and it's all happening in Pisces and it's going to go back over the sun and Neptune and, you know, the planets are having a great time enjoying inviting us into the deep end of the pool. Boy, that's right on my descendant. How fascinating. <laughs> As I prepare ourselves for the coming new beginning in March 23 with Aries. But I love this, the deep pool. I think life... We need to remember that in some area of our life, we do really need to sit and meditate, ponder. Mm. Jeff Peters, Port Townsend, 
check out Talk Cosmos, listen to archives, and thank you. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sue. All right. Again, <laughs> once again. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.